Hey, it's Scott Petrick with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. We usually record this early in the week, but there were so many moving pieces all week long that we waited as long as we could. And we got the announcement just a couple of minutes ago that the Browns game Saturday versus Raiders has been postponed until Monday at 5 p.m. The reason all the Browns on the COVID list, 24 as of right now. So here to talk about to talk all about it is Dave Chodowski of Go, the WKYC Morning News. Chud, how are you? Uh, this has just been a wild week, and uh, I, I know for you, just every day, every minute, you've been following this and trying to figure it out, asking so many questions. So uh, hats off to you. I, I know how much work you've uh, put into this, and, and all of the, the beat writers and uh, media that follow the Browns nonstop and for all the fans out there, you know what? I, I feel good for the fans because this is what had to happen. I can't believe it didn't happen days ago, Scott. This was the right move. I understand there's people who are going to complain for different reasons one way or the other, but at the end of the day, I just don't know how you could ask the Browns franchise to go out and play a football game tomorrow afternoon with everything that's happened. Yeah, I mean, that was the discussion all, re- all week, right? The surprise to me, Dave, is that the league actually came to its senses, right? Because I talked to the a spokesman for the league last night. The Browns were at 21, and he said nothing had changed. And there was no reason to believe anything would change as far as the league's resistance to postponing the game. Now, I think the union got involved, the National, you know, the NFL Players Association. I think that had a lot to do with it. I also think that outbreaks within the Washington football team in the Rams had something to do with it. So it was more than just the Browns involved. Um, But yeah, the decision probably should have been made earlier, uh, but I'm still surprised that the league actually went ahead and made it. So you, you are surprised. You thought that they would force them into playing on Saturday. I did. I, I did just because everything the league was saying, um, was that it was going to go on a schedule. And that had been there. That had been the league's stance all year long, um, you know, even before the season when they put out the big memos about, you know, possible forfeits and all that kind of thing. Um, the intention was to play games on time. Now, these are extenuating circumstances. I believe the league is better off postponing the game. Uh, not just the Browns game, probably the other, you know, the Rams and the Washington game as well. Um, but I was not convinced it would happen, Chad. I really wasn't. Well, the thing I kept thinking about, though, was how they did this all the time last year. They kind of had a blueprint for it to be done. And I know this year things have been different than last year. But, boy, it's starting to almost feel like it's worse this year than it was last year, at least right now. I mean, all year long it's been okay. I mean, it's not okay, but right. you have guys that go on the COVID list. But it would just be a couple players or, you know, a player here or there. But what's happening right now, I, I mean, this is way more than what we experienced last year. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I think the number of tests, the positive tests for sure um, are higher. I know that there were records set this week, three straight days. I think they, the three-day total eclipsed 100 or came really close to 100 positive tests, you know, around the league. Um, I, I think part of the resistance by the league was the fact that they hadn't had to reschedule any games this season and they didn't really want to start in week, what week are we in week 15? Um, right. yeah. you, you know, I'm not sure they wanted to do that. You don't have any bye weeks to play with. Um, 
They don't want to give up the week between the off week between the championship games and the Super Bowl. Um, so I, I think that was the original resistance. But then when you get the pushback from the NFLPA, you get the pushback from the players on social media. Um, and just, I think the general consensus was this game needs to be moved. Um, they finally decided to, uh, like I said, come to their senses or cave or however you want to phrase it. It's just bizarre. And, and we're not doctors and I don't want to get into all that. And trust me on the uh, morning show on go, I mean, I'm talking COVID all the time. Yeah. I, I feel like I have a good understanding of what's going on, but at the same point, does anyone really, I mean, I, I, I just, it, it's so yeah. bizarre because uh, you know, so many of these players are asymptomatic and you know, we're not talking about a situation here. I, I'm trying to figure out how to say this, but it just seems like not just in the NFL, the NFL is kind of an example of what's happening all over the place right now. So many people, I know so many people getting it right now, uh, people that aren't experiencing symptoms. And it just seems to be, you know, I, Scott, I got to tell you, I think we're in for a really wild month ahead in life. Yeah, there's no doubt. And it's, it's scary, Chud. You know, everybody's trying to figure out Christmas plans, you know, and, um, you know, can we test? And if we test, does that mean we're okay? And, you know, I was at the, boys and girls club thing with Baker on Monday. Right. And then he tests positive Wednesday. Um, and I'm not saying that's where it came from, but you start, you know, worrying that you're going to test positive. And um, it does seem to be, obviously it is growing. There's t- cases all over the country. Um, it's interesting when you talk about the league, because there's segments of people, I think players and in the league, and that's why they're changing the protocols, whether or not if you're asymptomatic and vaccinated, you should be able to play. Right. That now seems to be a theme. Bruce Arians, the Tampa Bay coach, said it today. Then there's people on the other side. And I think J.C. Treader, the Brown Center and the NFL NFL PA president is is in this camp that there should be more testing and it should be back to last year with the protocols with the goal of preventing spread within the building, you know, within the team facilities and preventing guys who are positive from being on the field with other players. Because I get from a football standpoint why if Baker's, and I'm just using Baker as an example, if Baker's asymptomatic, he feels good, why, why isn't he out there playing? I understand that argument. But I also think that if you're player X and you get COVID from Baker and you take it home to your one-year-old and now your one-year-old has COVID, that that's obviously not what you want, right? And that's what J.C. Treader and the union is trying to prevent. And that's why... COVID is different than the cold because you can pass it when you're asymptomatic, right? All those things. And I don't want to get bogged down in the medical either, but I, I think that's the argument and the fight being waged. And it'll be interesting to see how the NFL and the NFLPA come out on the other side, as far as how often do they test over the end of the season? Um, do you let asymptomatic vaccinated players play or do they still need at least one negative test? Um, you know, and that was a change just made yesterday. It used to be two negative tests, 24 hours apart. Now it's one negative test, you know, and it's related to the number of, you know, the amount of the viral load that shows up in the tests and you still have to be asymptomatic. But the hope there is that the Browns will have players available to them on Monday that would not have been available to them Saturday. Right. And that's one of the main reasons the game is being moved. There are also potentially more practice time. You get guys up to speed. I mean, the Browns signed a, we're planning to sign a quarterback today, right? So all these factors 
the delaying the game two days helps with all these things. The biggest from a football perspective is that some of the players on the COVID list might test negative and be able to play Monday, and they would not have been able to play Saturday. If you're the Raiders, are you kind of pissed off right now? They are. I mean, I just saw a tweet from K.J. Wright, one of their linebackers, and he is. And I got to verify this, Chud, but I just looked at their website and the roster on the website, and the Browns list their COVID guys on the website. And it's a, it seems to me a league-wide thing. So I'm assuming this is true. I need to double-check it, though. The Raiders don't have anybody listed as being on the COVID reserve list. So if you're them and you think, hey, we're doing a good job keeping the virus out of our building, whether or not, you know, you know, whether or not how much luck is involved, right? I mean, I, I'm sure there's some luck involved in this, you know, and it spreads in the building, blah, blah, blah. But if you're them and you say, hey, we followed all the protocols, we do a good job, we don't have anybody on the COVID list, why are we penalized moving the game two days, right? So I get their point, um, but here's kind of how the Browns fans felt two days ago. You're just you're screaming into the abyss trying to argue with the NFL. Yeah, true. So we don't have a ton of time on this pod here today to go over every single thing we probably would want to, but can you kind of in a cliff notes version, just bring everyone up to speed of kind of what happened this week, how many players the Browns have on the COVID list, um, how it kind of all started, where we're at now, and uh, how many guys do you foresee being able to play on Monday? Where do you think we'll be then on Monday? Yeah, it started I'm getting my days right here because it's a funky week with the originally Saturday game. Um, Tuesday, eight players tested positive, right? And then Browns had already had three guys on the list from a week ago. So eight yep. guys test positive. Then Wednesday, six more players, including Baker Mayfield, two coaches, including head coach Kevin Stefanski, test positive. Things seemed to settle down a little bit on Thursday. They were allowed to practice, but then there was a whole issue with the practice. The league had told the Browns that they only had to test asymptomatic players and no, or I'm sorry, symptomatic players in close contacts to guys who had tested positive. So they had been putting the enhanced protocols on Tuesday by the league, which means all, all meetings are virtual. You have to wear masks in the building. Um, they only had walkthroughs instead of practices and everybody had to test every day. Well, they changed that Thursday morning. So not everybody was tested. We go Why? out watch, because the league, I think was trying to reduce the amount of positive tests. Okay. So we go out there for practice yesterday. Ronnie Harrison's not out there. He tests positive. The team coach, Kevin Stefanski confirms that when we talk to him on zoom. The assumption is, well, that's the only positive of the day. That's I think Stefanski even said that. Well, the NFLPA said to the league, no, if you're in enhanced protocols, everyone must test every day. So the players who practiced and hadn't tested then had to test after practice. And that's when four more guys came up positive. Um, you know, Jacob Phillips was one of them. Case Keenum, right? The backup quarterback who was supposed to be your quarterback. Um, Grant Delpit who became the third safety on the list. So that was a whole mess. So you had five more guys. So you had 21 guys, or no, I'm sorry, 19 players. That's positive. And then you had three more today, Jadavian Clowney, Mac Wilson, and Tony Fields the second. So it's a total of 22 players this week. That's positive. Brings the total on the list to 24. If you include Anthony Walker and Jamie Gillen from a week ago, 
And David Njoku is the only one to come off the list because his 10 days had expired and he's asymptomatic. So, you know, the week got out of control. It became a crisis. Kevin Stefanski, as of now, is not scheduled to coach. Now that could change by Monday. Again, it's all reliant on does, do people get, do the players and Stefanski get that one negative test that they need that clears them in time to play Monday? So I'm looking here. Um, so the Eagles-Washington football team game has been moved to Tuesday. The Rams-Seahawks has been moved to Tuesday, looks like. Um, and I'm seeing tweets here. Eagles aren't happy. Uh, <laughs> this is Mike, Gar- Mike Garofalo. <laughs> yeah. Eagles not happy. Same with the Raiders and Seahawks. Um, you know, some of the players thought, well, why isn't there a forfeit? Now, the forfeit and that whole thing, I'm – I'm not an expert at this, but doesn't it have to do with like the fact that if you would have, if there'd be an outbreak, the players were unvaccinated as opposed to vaccinated. Right. I mean, Correct. clearly this wasn't the Browns fault in, in, in the regards of being unvaccinated because they're, they're vaccinated. Right. Correct. Yeah. They're almost a hundred percent vaccinated. So when the league put in those rules, it was part of their push to get more players vaccinated. Um, so you're going to be forfeiting games and missing game checks and your owner would be missing money. Um, but that's not the issue with the Browns. Now, if you were unable to postpone the game for whatever reason, right, the schedule just did not allow it. And you didn't have enough players to field the team. Theoretically, then you would have to forfeit, but this is not the case. If the Browns are made to play, they would play, right? I mean, they, the plan was all along to go and, pra- and play tomorrow until the league stepped in. Kevin Stefanski, you know, that was his message the whole time. They would have fielded a team. Now, it would not have been a good team, and I got a list of all the backups that would have been forced to play, but they would have had – there would have been a game. So the forfeit, to me, was never really on the table, even though people mention it all the time. So this is good news right here, Scott. In, I'm not saying that I wanted to play tomorrow by no means, but I have to look at it from every angle. Before we break down the game, this is going to be tough on the other side because now you're going to play on Monday and then have that turnaround on Christmas Day against the Packers. And I understand teams are used to it when you play Sunday to Thursday, but the players typically hate that, that short turnaround. That's going to be pretty tough on the other end. Yeah, and I'm assuming the game's going to stay on on Christmas Day. Um, I think that's probably why it's Monday, not a Tuesday game. Uh, one of the reasons, because they will try to turn around and play Christmas Day. So, yeah, that's hard. I think from a playoff perspective, it's, well, the Browns better beat the Raiders because it would have been really hard to beat the Packers, and it's going to be really hard to beat the Packers on a short week. Um, and then after that, you get a long week before the Monday night game in Pittsburgh. So, yeah, it's going to be yeah. difficult. I think that matters. You know, one thing like we should talk about, Chud, is I think the assumption is the Browns will get players back by Monday, right? At least they have a better chance. Now they've been out of the building. They've been, you know, spread out on the practice field. You hope that the te- positive tests are contained. You don't have another rash of tests, of positives, and more guys can come back. Now, but there is a chance that you lose more players, right? The longer you postpone the game, and with the virus running amok, then there's a chance other players will test positive. Um, I suppose there's a chance that some Raiders will test positive, and then how do you handle that, right? So 
that's I think that's also one of the reasons the league is reluctant to postpone games is because you don't know what happens when you postpone it and then you're up against it, right? Like if they can't play Monday, then what does the league do? And then things get even dicier. Sure. So let's, uh, you want to get into breaking down the Raiders now a little bit and talk about, uh, you know, I, I, I guess my, how do you break down the Browns and you don't know for sure who's going to be the quarterback. You don't know whether Stefanski's right. going to be there. I, I don't know. I, I think we're kind of handicapped in that regard. We'll do the best we can. So I, I guess, what are your thoughts about this game with what we know today? Yeah, it, it's interesting, Chad. I mean, I got this list, you know, maybe we'll be able to do something close. You know, if they play Monday night, I don't know if we can squeeze in one Monday morning. We'll see um, when we have a better idea. But, I mean, you could have Nick Mullins playing quarterback, right? He's played 16, started 16 games in the league. It's 5-11. and 11. Threw for a bunch of yards. In fact, he's second all time behind Patrick Mahomes in yards and your yards passing in your first 16 starts. So at least he's played. Um, never taken a snap for the Browns. You know, right now you're without Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, Jedrick Rose, Wyatt Teller. So I, I, without going through the whole list, because there's so many guys, there's not the only positions not affected, and in my mind, not affected significantly, is running back and Kareem Hunt's been ruled out with an ankle injury. Now, I don't know if that changes by Monday. He didn't practice, you know, Thursday. So I'm guessing he'll be out Monday. Kicker and long snapper. Everything else has been affected by COVID to a pretty high level, right, where you're missing starters and or backups. Um, you know, Malik McDowell is a D-tackle. He's out. Clowney, Tack McKinley, Ifiadi Odenigbo. Those are three, your two, three, and four defensive ends are all on the list. Um, you're down to four linebackers. Safety, you're missing your top three guys. You're missing both your nickelbacks. Now, maybe Greg Newsom can come out of the concussion protocol if the game's Monday, um, and that would be a big boost, right? But the point is the Browns are they're decimated across the roster, so it's not like there's only one position and you go, okay, well, we can figure that out. I mean, MV Stewart would probably be playing nickelback, but he's probably your number one safety right now. So then what do you do? <laughs> so – that's why the, I mean, that's why the Browns were in such a dilemma. And yeah, you can say, Hey, Miles Garrett could take over the game or it's going to be sloppy and you could run the ball 50 times, whatever. And the Raiders have their own issues, which they do, but the, the high number in the high number across so many positions and key players across so many positions really would have put the Browns in such a difficult spot that, I mean, I could have come up with the formula for them to win, but I don't know if I would have been, I don't know if I would have believed myself. <laughs> right. Well, one thing we do know, and you brought up that the Raiders seem to be fine when it comes to COVID, according to their website, but are they fine on the field? This is a right. team, you know, that went in and just walloped Dallas in front of all of us on Thanksgiving. And they've really been a, a weird team to dissect, but they've, boy, They've had so many off-the-field distractions, and they've just been a back-and-forth team, and then they just got crushed by Kansas City. So how do you see this Raiders team? Let's just – and I know it's hard because we don't know all of the pieces for the Browns. Right. But I guess looking at the Raiders, don't you feel pretty comfortable that this is a team that the Browns should beat? Yes. Yeah, if the Browns are full strength, for sure, right? I think you tweeted this. The line moved from six and a half Browns favorite to Browns three and a half point underdog, right? <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, that's, that's, that's insane. And I mean, obviously the reasons are the reasons, 
Baker probably moves that line to some degree. Um, but then the volume of, you know, players on the COVID list. Um, but if you took that out of the equation, yeah, you would expect the Browns to win. The Raver, Raiders have lost five of six. The only win is that Thanksgiving game, right, that you mentioned, right? They beat the Cowboys. Um, when I look at the Raiders, here's what you have to worry about. They have a good pass rush with Max Crosby and Yannick and Gakaway. They're two ends. Um, they're good. And they get pressure on the quarterback with only rushing the front four. I think they're the lowest blitz team in the league which makes things you know, difficult for the quarterback because they drop so many players in coverage. Um, so you got to watch them on defense. They're missing their leading tackler. Uh, he's got, I think it's an ankle injury, Perryman, he's out. Or, you know, and who knows if this changes my money, right? The injury report could change my money too. Um, on offense, the Browns get a big break because tight end Darren Waller is out. And I know Jace, Travis Kelsey is probably the best tight end in the league, but Waller is right up there. He is phenomenal. Um, it puts up huge numbers. Pro Bowler last year. He's out. Again, knee and backs. He's missed a couple games. I, I wouldn't expect him to play Monday. Maybe he could. Um, but if he's out, that's a huge break for the Browns. What they have to worry about, Josh Jacobs is just okay as a running back. He's averaging less than four yards a carry. Gets a ton of touches. Um, had a good game last year. Remember the Raiders came here last year. It was sloppy outside, and they ran it 45 times all over the Browns. Um, mm-hmm. But – you know, but overall, I'm not that worried about – wouldn't be that worried about Josh Jacobs. But Hunter Renfro is a different animal. The guy is their slot receiver. Um, had 13 catches versus Kansas City. Three straight games with eight catches, at least eight catches in 100 yards. Um, and not only is he good, period. And I went back and watched the last two Raiders games, and he shows up on film all the time. And he's got Derek Carr thrown to him and Derek Carr um, – you know, he's one of those middle-tier guys, but I like him. I think he's got a lot of talent. But what worries you, if you're the Browns, is Hunter Renfro lines up in the slot a bunch. And Troy Hill is out with COVID, and he's got a knee injury. Greg Newsom is still in the concussion protocol. Those are your top two nickels. So do you go with MJ Stewart and find somebody else to play safety? MJ Stewart's played nickel before, but isn't great at it. Or do you say, do you make a move, and this would be a big change, and put Denzel Ward in the slot and say, you go with Renfro everywhere. Now, Denzel doesn't play in the slot. He's an outside guy, but desperate times call for desperate measures. So I, I think that is something to watch, assuming, you know, Newsom doesn't come back. That's really something to watch is how they try to handle him. And maybe they just double team him all game long and say, beat me. You know, Derek Carr's got to beat you somewhere else. Um it's tough to double guys all the time in a slot anyway, but I think that's, you know, if you're talking about concerns for the Browns, that would be it. It's Renfro versus their nickelback and they're in the Raiders defensive ends versus likely James Hudson, the third at right tackle and Blake Hans at left tackle because Conklin's out for the year and Wills is on the COVID list. All right, Scott, we got about five minutes left here. I got three things I want to do. I want to get your quick recap on their win over Baltimore. Uh, if you're, you know, if you want to do that, I think, I think we need to do that. Yeah. Then we'll do a little rapid fire where I'll put you on the clock and then we'll do predictions. You up for it? Yeah. Um, hey. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you one minute to recap what was a season saving win. Don't you think? I do. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talk about must win, must win, but um Here's a huge game. Now they're only one game back in the division. They have a chance. Um, huge win. 
I thought they played really well, probably as well as they have since that Cincinnati game for about three quarters. And then they tried to give it away. <laughs> and that was a combination. The offense can't score points. Chase McLaughlin misses a field goal that probably ends the game. They go up 18. The Raider or the Ravens probably say, okay, the game's over. Instead, he misses. The Ravens are still two possessions down. It becomes a game. The defense gives us some points, some fourth down conversions um, after playing really well most of the game. And then they butcher the onside kick, right? All of it leads to, oh my gosh, it's an escape when for most of the game, it felt like a really positive win. So that's my take. I, I still think you can take positives from the game because it was a huge win that they desperately needed. Well, that was one minute on the dot. You realize wow. you just did that in one minute. You are, I got a, you are a pro. <laughs> I got a future in TV. Yeah, that's right. Wow. You, you, you've had a, a long-standing career on TV, my man. Uh, <laughs> one minute right on the dot. Nicely done. All right, let's get to a quick rapid fire. I'm going to give you uh, 10 seconds for each of these. And I know it's tough, but, it, you know, it, it's the rules, all right? I'm ready. Uh, yep. Watching that game, watching that game, did you think they would lose? No, I, I I mean, when they got the onside kick, Chud, I understand people think, oh, gosh, Justin Tucker's going to go kick the winner. But I never went there in my head. I think I still thought they would win the game. All right. Would have they won the game or lost the game had Lamar not gotten injured? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I, I'm still going to go with the win because they were up 10 nothing when he went out. And they were playing well, and he was not – I mean, he was four for four, but it wasn't like he was dominating the game. Uh, and I think they probably – I think there was a chance there was a letdown when Lamar went out that wouldn't have happened if Lamar stayed in. So I'm going to go they still would have won. Still would have won. Miles Garrett, was that the play of the year? I, I watched that thing over and over and over, and that was just an incredible athletic display to strip the ball – come and get it, not dive on it, pick it up, turn around, and score. I mean, in my mind, that's one of the plays of the year, and they don't win the game without it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it, it probably is. Um, you know, I, I think that's the kind of play you wait for Miles to make all the time because you know he's capable, and it just proves how hard it is to do. First touchdown in the NFL. He had one taken away early in his career against the Bears. Uh, Karnas was offside. Um, but, yeah, it was an amazing play. And really, I mean, that gave them the 24-3 lead. If they don't make score that touchdown, they might lose the game. So, huge game, huge play in a huge game. Yeah, you could put that on that list of uh, biggest plays of the year for sure. And finally, would have you gone for two or kicked the extra point if you were Harbaugh? I would have gone for two, and I've changed on that, Chud. At one point, I was always keep it a one-score game as long as you can, and I've been convinced by the analytics people that – the more information you have, the better off you are, which means go for two. I understand the resistance, but I have been changed. Yeah, but here's the thing, and I'm going to extend this 10 seconds here, right? Because <laughs> yeah. I disagree with you. Because I, under, I understand the analytics people and all that, but here's the thing. You eventually run out of possessions. I mean, so, all right, so you know what you need to do, but, I mean, granted, they got the onside kick, but, but that's, that's kind of lucky, right? That doesn't happen that often. I mean, you, you had the chance there. If you kick the extra point, you are down two, and then you could still tie the game on that last possession against a team that's more tired, and you have the human element 
Yeah. Listen, we always talk about the human element. I'm telling you right now, man, I bet you the Browns defense chokes and they get the two later on. What happened to the human element? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you make a point, Chud, and I'm not, I can't even really argue with it. I understand exactly what you're saying. And I think there's some validity to it. I also think when you, and I think analytics people would argue with this, argue with me on this point. I think when you score that touchdown matters, you know, the decision to go for one or two, depending on how much time's left in the game, you know, say for instance, you scored it with 30 seconds left and you're going to onside kick. Well, then obviously you kick the extra point because you need to get, you're only going to get the ball once. So I think there's a time there where there's a time point in the game where that changes from when it makes sense to go for two, when it makes sense to go for one, but there's probably enough time left for the Ravens that it made sense to go for two. I, I mean, I think that does factor in, um, yeah. but I, I do get your point. I really do. And I understand something psychologically about, man, it's, they could be, they could tie us on this possession and you don't have that if you miss the two point conversion. So I get it. I get it. But yeah. I also trust the geniuses coming up with these analytics models. And I think if there was, you know, if there was 11 minutes left in the game, then maybe I agree with you and the analytics part of it more because you know what you have to do. But there, I just felt like there wasn't that much time left in the game. But, I mean, yeah. obviously they did almost win it because they got the onside kick. All right, so let's move on to uh, predictions here. And then I know we got to get wrapping up here. Congratulations, man. You called it. Uh, uh, well, well done. So you move up to eight and five. I predicted the uh, – the Ravens, uh, I moved down to – clearly I didn't know Lamar wouldn't be the quarterback, but I'm not using that as an excuse because um, I think you might be right. I think they would have probably won the game even with Lamar, so that's not an excuse. I got it wrong. I'm 9-4. and four, You're 8-5. and five. I'm glad that you got it right. Nicely done. <laughs> and, uh, you you know, I, how, how do you predict this one, though? I almost feel like this is, this is unfair. It is, and we should probably tweet out Monday – our real predictions or I'll probably have to do it Sunday night for the paper. Um, okay. Yeah. But I mean, let's do it for, for uh, giggles here. Um, you know, I, I probably would have gone with the Raiders before the postponement just because it feels like too much to overcome and the Ravens aren't out of the playoffs and they probably look at this as a chance to get back in the playoffs. So having said that, I would have given the Browns some chance to win the game. I think the two extra days helps regardless of who comes back, but I expect at least some players to come back. I don't know what that number would be. So I'm going to go Browns, Chud. Um, I think it's going to be a sloppy game, um, you know, assuming not everybody's back. You know, I'm going to go like 17-16, something like that, and the Browns <laughs> figure out a way to win. Yeah. I, I hear that, but yeah. I'm going to go Browns as well. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. I agree. I, I think the Browns are going to find a way to get it done, especially if they get some of their uh, players, important players back. And, you know, you know, they still have Chubb and Garrett, who, right. you know, two of their best players that were going to be out there anyway. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to try to break this one down. I'm just going to say Browns 24, Raiders 21. But I, I think if we do another pod or at least tweet it out, yeah. we could change, yeah. we could change our mind or the score, but. I say, you know, bottom line is we're both going Browns. Yep. Cool. Hey, Chad, thanks so much for fitting this in, um, working with the craziness of the schedule of the week. Uh, thanks, everybody, Absolutely. for listening. If um, We'll talk to you next week, whether it's before the Raiders game or between the Raiders game and uh, – 
the Christmas game in Green Bay. We'll talk to you guys. Um, appreciate you listening. You can check out all the breaking news and the, and the Brown <laughs> stories on brownzone.com, sponsored by Fligners. So thanks again. This has been the latest episode of the Zone Coverage Podcast.